what I also about the stand up is like the world is less structured. There's just different clubs and mm-hmm. the system is very unclear, which in some ways is frustrating. And in other ways, it's like, OK, I guess I could kind of make my own way of this. Every podcast has an opening song. This is ours. It's not very long. Chase, I think our opening song needs to be a little bit longer. I'm singing more of our opening song to intro our show called Behind Two Blondes. Hi, everyone. My name's Chase O'Donnell. And I'm Savannah Brown. Together, we started a comedy duo called Two Blondes. Every week, Savannah and I interview a successful 20-something who is pursuing their passion in an attempt to pick up some pointers of our own and hopefully inspire you to get out there and do the same. Today, we're interviewing John Marco. He is a 20-something actor, writer, and stand-up living in New York who is about to headline at Caroline's. Oh, oh, if that's not enough for you... He wrote a two-person show that was in the Fringe Festival and is now going off-Broadway at 59 East 59. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We cannot wait cannot to pick his brain wait. and hear how he's living the New York dream. As you know, we love to interview our guest over brunch. So, Savannah, please tell everyone what's on the menu today. Today, we're eating creamy spinach and potato baked eggs with garlic toast. Oh my gosh, our meals just keep getting better and Every better. Week. Thank you, Blue Apron. They are sponsoring our podcast. You can also uh, enjoy some of these delicious meals if you go to blueapron.com slash two blondes. Spelled T-O-O. And you'll get your first three meals free on us. And it'll help out our show if you do that. So please do. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hello. John Marco, thank you so much Hello. for being with us. My pleasure. Yeah. What are you uh, drinking today for brunch? Oh, this is a, a very uh, spicy Bloody Mary. Oh, delicious. I'm actually not a Bloody Mary fan. I don't like tomatoes in my drinks. Oh, yes? Yeah. Are they, they're iced? Well, it's a cocktail. Yeah. So it's cold. Yes, it's, they have ice, yeah. I don't like, they've never, never and been And besides, you get me. a celery straw. I know, it's so weird to me. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, Savannah doesn't like the ice, I don't like the tomatoes. All you. You don't like the ice? <laughs> Just tomatoes, I see, like, tomatoes are supposed to be soup. Do you ever drink V8? What about gazpacho? That's cold. I don't tomato. like gazpacho. I don't, oh. I don't even know what that is, but I don't drink You know what gazpacho? Oh, it's a delicious <laughs> tomato-based soup. It's cold and it has croutons. My dad hates gazpacho. Okay. So I think I hate it, okay. too. I don't you know, haven't though. tried it. I haven't tried That's it. That's like with mangoes for a long time. I had never had one, but I just said, I do not like them. <gasps> really? Yeah. I just knew that they were not for me. And then I've had them since, and I, they're fine. And I you know, shouldn't have been so hard on mangoes. but It's a lot of peeling. I bought one recently, and is, you got to peel the whole thing. So you can't good. eat oh, the skin. Oh, you got to get them unpeeled, or yeah. like already oh, peeled. Get them. You, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At Whole Foods, like Why ten dollars for foods? six little yeah. things. Oh, and they unpeel it. They unpeel. It's very expensive though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten dollars for six. They just built a Whole Foods across from where I live. Oh. I'm very nervous. Um, are you in Williamsburg? I'm in uh, Harlem. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Whole Foods is there now. It's gonna come to Bushwick soon. Very exciting. I just know it. Oh, sorry. You gotta ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? A banana, mango, mango smoothie. Because my husband told me bananas get you over hangovers, 
and I'm very hungover. Oh, oh which really? is a great segue into what I'm drinking, <laughs> which is just water. Because, <laughs> because I did drink um, some glasses of wine last night. More than three? And of vodka. Yeah, more than three. And um, and then I had three hours of sleep. And oh my you, God. Yeah. It's a rough Three line. hours of sleep. Yeah. You I'm want to know why? Because... Uh, we didn't have the sound guy scheduled today, so oh. I had to wake up and get everything <laughs> set up. <laughs> I had to make sure he was coming, and then he wasn't, so then I had to do a ton of, like, oh. Yeah. Not his fault, but not his fault. Totally my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I had that, totally I had that yoga class very early. It's very hard. Oh, you take yoga? Oh, yeah. You know what? Thank I really God. admire men that take yoga. Really? Oh, yeah. In my class, it's only women. Really? Only woman, maybe an occasional guy, but I think it's 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 like ballet. I feel like there's so many more girls that take it, and when a guy does, it's like good for you. Well, I, I took hip hop in high school, and <laughs> I was the only guy in that class, and it was humiliating. I took it with my sister. My sister's a dancer. Why? Okay. Why did you take it with her? Because she's much better than me, mm-hmm. so we were at the same level, even though she's ten years younger. Oh. And uh, <laughs> she's ten years younger. That's uh, let, let me. S- she just graduated NYU. Wait, so, so you yeah. took it with your sister, and you were like twenty, and she was ten. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like pretty you, much. You were so much older at that point. Yeah, that's why it was embarrassing. I was very tall. She was and you're already tall in life. Already so tall in life. And I'm very tall. And she's a very good dancer. She's moving to LA. She's oh, pursuing it professionally. Oh, oh wow. We should, really good. we should interview her. We should yeah, you should. Her. We should. But uh, she was on a dance team. I did not make the dance team. Mm-hmm. Um, called, the dance team was called C Unit. Oh. Named after the teacher. C unit. C unit. But what happened is they, they printed out these jackets, and when the girl's hair, if it ever covered the eye in C unit, all the backs of these very expensive jackets. Oh. Red like that when they're dancing and it was the funniest thing. <laughs> all these expensive jackets they had bought for the team. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's, that's so and funny. Is that in your stand-up? I haven't put that one yet. I mean, that's I do good. talk about taking hip-hop, though. You do. And I, I still take hip-hop I once thought, a week. I thought I've heard that. Steps on Broadway. you say it, people you really laugh you take and you hip-hop? go... Not yeah, a joke. not a joke because yeah. it's not. I take it sometimes twice a week. You should take tap with my husband. He really wants to start tap class. Oh yeah. But are you down? Uh, sure, I'll take. Tap? I need to get new tap shoes. Yeah, I you think. need to get tap shoes. Capizium. Yeah. They're cheap, like fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that so fantastic. So you were mm-hmm. you were kind of going in the direction of being a dancer. No. Oh God. Oh God. Okay, Musical no. theater. Oh, always. That's where I started. That's where I started. That was gonna be our. Questions. That's a good segue. Yeah, like where'd you start? Yeah, I guess we want to ask. Like, you're doing stand up. You're brilliant. You're hysterical. oh, thank you. That's very kind. It's very true. Hysterical. Hysterical. And we <laughs> want to know what got you into stand up. Was like stand up something you always um, dreamed of doing, or I think it was always there. Like, I always knew I wanted to perform in some capacity. Um, and the first, like the first real inkling, it was actually, I think it was first grade, and I was in Princess and the Pea. So you've been doing theater for a long time. For a long time. Long it was time. a, I don't know if any of your listeners saw it. It was just, it was one night only. Um, oh. <laughs> or one, it was at chapel, so I guess one morning only. And so what happened was I was the prince, and at the end, 
I think it was first grade. So the princess and I, we hugged each other and we said, I love you. And then I turned to the audience. I put my finger in my mouth. I just went, and the whole audience erupted in laughter. And I think that that was my first moment of like, oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. And uh, and then so it was always comedy, at least from the beginning. And then my mom bought me like my first George Carlin album, very young. Mm-hmm. She used to go, her her father would take her to the casinos in Las Vegas and she would see Rodney Dangerfield. And apparently Rodney Dangerfield in the casinos was just filthy, just oh. dirty. She, she'd go in at 15 and it was very cool. So yeah. she got me into George Carlin. And so I always loved it. And I never fully did it though. You did theater. I did theater, yeah. Which is like and as a high school kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, yeah, I just feel like it's easier in high school to be like, well, that I like performing. Sure. Be doing. Yeah, there wasn't. I mean, I did improv in high. I was part of the improv club, but it was like. Where did you grow up? We don't even know. uh, Georgetown. I I grew up in Maryland. I tell people DC, but that's where I went to high school. Okay. So, so I did a bunch of theater there, and I was as an improv club. But I mean, it was really more front for selling weed at that point. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so I did that. I don't know. I wish I had started stand up comedy earlier, but Uh, you you gotta you gotta really have some chutzpah. To uh-huh. just, like, go in the talent show and tell jokes. I don't know. You gotta have hoods, but... But I wrote. Like, I always wrote all this stand-up. So I had a big Word document, and I wrote in college. <laughs> and I went to college for musical theater. But uh, then summer after That's my junior different. year... Sorry, which college? Oh, I, uh, it's University of Miami. Oh, party school, right? For Not for me. Okay. For most people. Gotcha. I stayed indoors. I, the University <laughs> of Miami is a great school. It is. Is it not? I only hear great things. <sighs> Do you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's in Florida. Yeah. It's a university. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah. I think it, I have strong feel, I have very strong feelings about getting a Bachelor of Fine Arts at any college, unless it's going to directly set you up for a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think right now there's such a proliferation of BFA programs that you end up, some of them have these showcases that no one attends. And then luckily I didn't have student debt but, uh, you know, other people that do and start this career with debt, it's a nightmare. nightmare. And you go to these colleges, like, the U Miami, at least, uh, it, that doesn't get me into any new doors. So unless the teachers are going to be active for you, it yeah. just seems like four years is a waste of money. Now, so in my, like, mind, I would have moved to New York and, like, figured out a curriculum on my own. Maybe at 18 I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to do that. But I think two years at the most, unless it's mm-hmm. Juilliard, Carnegie, NYU, where you're building a network yeah. that's very active. Like, for example, voiceover, it's like... Why Miami has a huge sound studio. Why not hire someone and have every student leave that school with a voiceover reel? Mm. You have a perfect studio, get a good teacher, you come and have a voice agent that represents them automatically. That's so easy. And they don't even do those little, and they yeah. people go like, well, it's not, it's supposed to prepare you for the professional world. I agree, because you leave and, well, I think my school really set up everyone, like the big thing was, grad school audition for but even grad school I mean I'll always remember when I was doing early on like doing extra work and the person next to me had just graduated from Yale grad school for acting and I remember being like oh why are you, why are you here and I was like oh man I hate all I mean, you know who knows oh. I, I auditioned for grad school I didn't get in so I do the the Yale grad school audition and uh, in the room the guy monitoring says make sure to check the call sheet and I was like oh my god okay and uh would they basically post up a call sheet that day to maybe come back later in the day to see them again. And so they're like, all right, we're, we're putting up group six's call sheet, and we follow, you know, this group of actors, hungry actors, follows this guy with a piece of paper, and he goes and posts it on the door. He says, "These this everyone who's being called back. 
blank piece of paper. No one in the group is getting called back. And I was like, you didn't have to do this whole theatrical thing. What a dick. And apparently the guy said to everyone, he was like, make sure to check the call sheet at the end. It's like, why are you telling? Of course, I came all the way to Yale. I'm not going to not check the call sheet. Why are you telling me this? It was horrible. And get this, get this. Oh, my NYU one was even worse. NYU, because NYU, I did the first and you get called back that day. The first for the first round. I got called back. They were way behind. And so there's two people in the room, and one of them had to leave because they were taking too long. The head of the program had to leave. So I didn't get to do my second callback. I only got to do it in front of one of the two people. I paid $100 for this yeah, thing. Yeah, I was going to say you paid for it. So it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, you have to go? Oh. Then reschedule it. I So oh. I that was it. Done. Have you been like, working on social media or is it like something it's just I do I definitely do more I mean I think for the longest time I just I was someone who just practiced all the time like I was working on acting always working on and I never really did enough things. That was one of, I think, my earliest mistakes. Like, I focused on casting director stuff and then doing stuff on my own. And only in the last, I'd say, two years working on social media. But I don't think it's my particularly my strong suit. Like, mm-hmm. I think I've gotten better at tweeting. But, like, you know, I see people who are fantastic. Yeah. Or that they're really good at that. And when I made sketch videos, you know, I went through kind of a debate where I, I basically had these commercials, so I had this money that I should have saved, but I was like, no, I'm going to spend it all on sketches. And, like, I could have probably made 50 of those single just me videos, some kind of life thing, and I ended up making more, like, these theatrical ventures and big experimental stuff. And looking back, I don't know if that was the wisest decision. It was definitely the more artistically, I felt like I learned a lot more. But uh, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, you know what? Like I made a channel for that. I made a whole series. I was like, I should just release it on my own page. It should have been all made. Should Marcus Cerezi tagged in every single one. Um, but I think those are also, they're less artistically fulfilling. And I think it is a difficult choice. But the problem is you look at it now and you see people that build followings on their own personality. And you can look at their videos all you want and be like, this is garbage. Or like, this is, or this is, this is just not fully thought out. Or this is just not fully realized. But then they get the bigger opportunities the and they have time to catch up to become the artist they want to be. While mm-hmm. we're just like, uh-oh, I have no more money anymore. And now I don't have time to even work on the crap. It's shocking to me to see, uh, like, I, I, I will not name names, but, like, friends of mine that I'm like, wait, you have two million followers? Mm-hmm. What? What? When did this happen? And it's like, some people are so good at that, like, no shame of putting up the photos. and like, Sure. Um, all that stuff, it's, like, such a different side of the brain and it's kind of like we are trained in acting we aren't we didn't go to business school I think that's something going back if I did go to school I don't know if I'd major in acting I would major in like business yeah because I feel like that's so important important it is important what we're doing yeah but I think it's all, I mean, social media is just like wild wet. I mean, I don't even know business, you know, they're still catching up to figure out how do people build these followings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I some, some people do the pictures, but some comedians who just like, some comedians who aren't necessarily good in other areas, but they know how to write a caption mm-hmm. and it explodes. Yeah. And then they're, they're, I mean, it's incredible. And then they're headlining at places automatically and they have time to catch up, but they fill the seats. Yeah. So I like, I'm doing it's it more. Where I was like, if we just had a hundred thousand 
uh, Instagram followers, then it would be easy getting people to our show. I mean, but anyone who's, I mean, you're not friends with me on Facebook. You haven't accepted my friend request yet, but. <laughs> you know what's uh, happening right now? <laughs> How long has it been pending? I have no idea. I didn't even see that I got a friend request. I, when I first met you guys, I was like, okay, I'm a supportive comedian. I had like two blondes on every single thing <laughs> that existed. A friend with you. Uh, I gotta find this. I'm but, so so I post a lot. I mean, I post a lot. It's not like I don't try, but it just hasn't clicked. You're, um, you're going to click. Like, that's why we're having you on this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're very talented. I, yesterday, she said, by the way, um, I scheduled John Marco tomorrow at 2. And I was like, fantastic. And we had the conversation being like, oh, he's going to be famous. And uh, oh, we're going to so catch him early. We're, we're catching him early. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I you you've sent me a friend request, and I've... Never confirmed. There you How go. How many do you have on there? Oh, not as many as I was expecting. No, no. These. This isn't friend requests. You just liked a photo of mine. Yeah, that, that was my reminder says, to to accept the friend request. That, that's that's always the second one. You can't. <laughs> you then like a post. <laughs> oh my god! So honestly, I truly no, not personal. Personal. I don't. No, I it's it's okay. Too much going on on Facebook all the time. I'm tagged in so many notifications, and I Congrats. get overwhelmed. Congrats! Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, congratulations! Awesome. I'm sure you are too. Every day. This read. is what happened five years ago. You're invited to this event. Little like things that I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every year, there's some kind of anniversary that Facebook's providing us. Every so. day, there's an anniversary <laughs> with us. It's like you guys liked a picture two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Happy anniversary. That's Liking each other. needs to calm down on that. Now, I want to know more because I, and I'm sorry, I don't know which one it was, got sent a video and someone saying, this is so funny. And while I was watching the video, your face popped up and it was a viral YouTube video. Mm. And I can't remember what it was about, but I remembered to ask you about it. It, it went viral and you had your glasses on. Yeah, that's that does not narrow it down in the least. Darn it! I mean, no, there's only been a couple that went viral. I'd say. Is it I on mean, funny or die, or do you work? Maybe for them? there was a there was something about man spreading. So I was was it that one? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I'm barely. I'm like in the frame, the edge of the no, frame. Okay. No, one where you're. The the first sketch I ever did was this one uh, with a girl named uh, Megan Sass, and it was called MTA Shames NYC. It was the first one I ever did, and it was about uh, the announcements on the subway becoming like a little overreaching in their ethical kind of claims, and. First one, for we released it, I guess, at the same time the subway was just coming out with new announcements. So it it was on the cover of Metro New York. She was on the cover of Metro New York. It got in City Lab. It got in uh, Atlantic, which owns City Lab. It got in Fast Company. It was crazy. And I have never recaptured that success in the 50 or so sketches I have done since. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see a suspicious package or activity, do not keep it to yourself. However... Be aware that we have unconscious biases, so take care not to rush to judgment. Fairness is contagious, and it begins with you. That was weird. I don't remember the subway announcements being so preachy. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to take your garbage with you and deposit it in the nearest trash receptacle. Also recycle. Global climate change is real, and it began with you. That was blatantly judgmental. I'm definitely self-judged. 
Ladies and gentlemen, hundreds of civilians die every day in the Middle East because of American bonds. If you aren't calling your congressman to make it stop, you are responsible. I am doing the best I can. Ladies and gentlemen, if you drop something on the subway tracks, leave it. Tell a police officer, train, or station personnel. Also, dogs are better than cats. Uh, it's insane. It's so our life, isn't it? It's insane. And uh, so I did this whole, I mean, I, I, I booked some commercials. I spent all that money filming these sketches for the series called this Matzo Pizza. This is the Pizza. one that you yeah. booked. And, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna try these to General it. Electric commercials. And so I filmed these matzo pizzas. And some of them did very well. We had one on the subway called Showtime, Showtime that on Facebook went viral. It's two million or something. Oh, okay. And that was really exciting. But, like, could not recreate the success of that first one, it was just ins- insane. It's just so funny when someone sends you a video. This has happened twice like, now. Wait, that's, we know, wait, we know him. But it's cra- So the, the people I worked with on Matzo Pizza, Lindsay Elizabeth Hand was my producer in Edge in Motion Productions, and then uh, Jeff Rabinak was the editor and director for some. But the first time we met, they did a video called Voldemort's First ASMR. And do you know what ASMR is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, auto sensory meridian response. I just learned about it, and I, it, they like do like tapping noises on a mic. They they whisper and they they rub the mic. Wait, is it, who are these people? Any YouTubers. anyone. And they're hour long videos, and people listen. And I think some like people find it sexual. Some yeah, people some puts people. it to sleep, or just gives them a tingle. It's so crazy. So what the? Yeah, you got it. It's very strange. It's so strange, but man, I was shocked watching it. That like there's. 10 million views on this girl what? going A-S-M-R. and then the whole video she's just like this is me tapping a no hand sanitizer like yeah it's huge fan base huge fan base so that was the first it was first video that they made and they had me act in this Voldemort's first ASMR it's just nine minutes of me and Voldemort makeup doing this ASMR and it's almost had a million views on YouTube now and it keeps coming up and like it was on AV Club and it keeps coming up on random foreign language websites and it uh, who knows who knows I, I was amazed a nine minute video hello it is I he who shall not be named it's Voldemort <laughs> this is my first ASMR videos oh, please enjoy these, these are the things that you're creating yourself, right? Or yeah. this was um, an audition? That was, I just knew them. Lindsay knew me oh, okay. and like pitched me to the Jeff who wrote yeah. it. And then, and then it was so great working with them that when I had this, this influx of cash, I, I decided to work with her as the producer and we've been doing stuff. We're going to be making a video for Funny or Die oh, in October. Oh, for them. For them. Not just putting it on. No, so, they, so that was the one thing. Matzo Pizza, they saw a bunch and I wrote them and I sent them a lot of pitches and we finally picked one, went back and forth. So we're going to film one in October that they paid for. Amazing. Yes. So that's exciting. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. That's so exciting. Virtual cheers. Oh, it's not virtual today. Virtual cheers. Oh, it's real. Real cheers. <laughs> Where's my usually? Oh, cheers. Yeah, we're cheers. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a quick reminder that FOU Studios and the Behind Two Blondes podcast are sponsored by Blue Apron, which we are so grateful for. So grateful. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash two blondes. That's spelled T-O-O. Exactly. I feel like this is a good time to go into like 
Tell me, Chase. Well, actually, actually, I was going to ask about, like, then getting into stand-up and Caroline's, but quick follow-up on all of that. Um, how much do you find that you are auditioning and booking, or if it's really all just been, like, hustling and creating your own work? Or has there been a nice mix? I mean, I think when I was doing, before I was SAG, when I was non-union, I was able to book a lot of commercial work on my own. And I really felt like I had, I mean, it's such a tricky thing. In the beginning, when you don't have representation or you have like loose representation, Mm -hmm. I'm able to use Actors Access, I'm able to do non-union stuff, and I'm just doing stuff whenever. I have free time, and I was doing some theater stuff, the, the Flea Theater, and then uh, EST sometime for readings and stuff. So I was just doing everything I could. Mm-hmm. But then you get uh, an agent and a manager, and they don't want you to do a lot of these things because they want you available. For uh, things that might never happen. For things that might never happen. And <laughs> I think it's a very tricky situation because if you're looking from a manager perspective, it's it's like you have all these clients and you want them available for the bigger things. You're, you're basically as if you were playing, if you were playing uh, what is it, where you put your roulette, yeah. You have your chips on a bunch of different numbers. Mm-hmm. So if one number fails, that's okay in a sense. You know, it's better that you have the bigger wins. But when you're an actor, you're betting on one number and it's yourself. And so I think there's an inherent contradiction where it's yeah. it's hard to know. And, you know, it's also I'm impatient. So, But basically what happens, you know, they... They work with me and they let me do lots of things. But the further along I got, the more kind of was like, it's got to be the stuff that they're bringing me in for because they don't want me to do these little things that gets in the way of something bigger. Yeah. And then once when you go SAG, it just it knocks out so much work. What's your feelings on SAG? Um, because we we've been Taft Hartley for about oh I tell people I, I I undoubtedly tell people at least the state of things now you shouldn't join until you have to. Okay. I tell I tell actors all and they never listen and they always come back and say I should have well as long as you're SAG eligible if you do get cast in something SAG then you can join but like it's better to just stay just wait till they make you join I mean they they eventually they'll make you join but to do it in advance unless it's for the health insurance and even with the health insurance you have to make a certain amount of yeah yeah um but or or you have a sick management team. But I have people who get their waiver. They don't have their commercial agent. They don't have any kind of representation. They join SAG. And now their only way to get in front of these people is to pay for the classes because they can't book anything. When, when I'm non-union, I can still use my bookings to show to SAG agents and say, mm-hmm. look, I'm booking work here. But until you've got those agents in line, yeah. you are limiting yourself mm-hmm. horrendously. And I, I hope SAG... Gets the, there's Stuff clearly a problem with commercials. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily SAG's fault. It's just so hard, I mean, with, with online media. But uh, all I know is that since joining SAG, it's, it's hard. I'm very reliant on just what comes along. And I'm very lucky I have a, a very good team. And how did you, I feel like it's like something I always wanted before finding an agent. I was like, how do you get the agent? What was your experience? I mean, it was pretty crude. I, j- I just... I had parents helping me out, and I took a shitload of casting director workshops, mm-hmm. and that's all I did. And I probably that's I should have done more other stuff. I should have started UCB the second I moved here. I should have probably joined like the Flea Theater the second I moved here, but because I didn't know any better, I was just like, well, these are the people, and I spent I mean thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars at, yeah. at these places, and. It resulted in some things. I mean, it got me the the first agent, and eventually I met the manager. Or I, I did. I was a reader for a lot of casting directors, and I had a cast director who recommended me to my my current manager. Oh, and 
amazing. But it was it was a money pour. I poured money out. Yeah. Um, and it wow. wasn't until I got some of the commercials that I can look back and go like, well, I was lucky enough that I made back that money. Yeah. But that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just built from there. And once you have the manager, you know, gradually they introduced me to the agent. And that's who. So I'm with uh, Innovative now. So that's all good now. But still, I find it challenging not having autonomy, which is why I think the stand-up comedy recently, I mean, so I've always done stand-up kind of as a, I would say a hobby. In my mind, I was like, I'm a stand-up comedian, but anyone who's really doing it could easily look at me and go, you're full of shit. Um, yeah. Just because I was doing it, you know, just like so occasionally. Yeah. And then uh, the play that I did at the Fringe Festival in 2014 had a lot of stand-up, and it came from like, I would write a lot of stand-up. I wouldn't do it a lot. Yeah. So the play came from that. Um and uh, my producer, Lindsay Elizabeth Hand, saw a reading of the play and was, has a lot of stand-up and said, like, you got to do this. And I was like, it was just that last yeah. push I needed to start yeah. doing it. So we ended up, like, jumping the gun. We filmed, basically, I got a small grant and we filmed an hour and a half special. You're such a go-getter. He's such a go-getter. Yeah. But, but so, like, there's still a lot of stand-up stuff that I was having to learn and I still, like, you know, different environments. Like, I can do a theatery space. I can do story stuff. But uh, what I love about stand-up right now, other than the stand-up itself, is I have my autonomy in that arena. You know, my manager, it's not at the level where they're dealing with the stand-up stuff, and it's not stuff I have to book out with them Mm -hmm. for. So I get to kind of do what I used to do when I was doing acting, where I got to email in the mornings, and I got to talk. I mean, I just got to reach out to people and schmooze in a way that's a lot harder at my level with acting, where I just, it's not like I, I gotta wait around. yeah. You have the, the like agents that are doing it for you in a way, so it's like, Yeah, and that, ta- that takes its own time, and you know, yeah. you just don't have, and I'm sure, I know that they're all working, but you just don't even know even what's know. going on. And if you're asking them, you, you turn it into a nosy client. Yeah, yeah. And like, they don't like that either. Yeah, and if, you know, for them, again, it's, it's they're looking at a bigger picture thing, and it's like, yeah, if I if I get on some big sitcom or some big movie, then they're like, yeah, you see, yeah, you just had to be patient. But when you're in it, you're, you're just like, like, I need to do things. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. What is your like your a regular day in the life look like? Are you also working a regular job, or like you're at the point where it's all acting? So. I wish if I had saved a little more of that commercial money, it, it started to <laughs> run out. But I was living off that. that. I mean, that gig, that gig was you insane. You national commercial man. You're killing it. But even then, even then, I actually heard that there might be making it so there's a buyout for na- cable commercials really? too. So it's all changing. Wow. It's just like it, even now, it used to be like you got a national and you could you buy a house. Yeah. Um, but I got lucky because it's like Verizon, then you're set. Yeah. If it's, well, if you're flow. On sure. Oh, progressive. You're set. But more with the General Electric, like there were the six nationals, but then there were the live appearances. So there was like six or seven where I flew to Vegas, New Orleans, Boca Raton, and what? those. Oh my God. What those is this gig? I mean, it was just I was just like the guy for a little, and they brought me in front of the big corporate people. And okay, we're we're choosing to that. Oh yes. Can we find it. 
the live stuff? I can't believe... No, your commercial? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to look you all have you, you have to... It's so sad, though, because they just released me. So tech, they had to take me off the General Electric YouTube channel because they're releasing me. And it's so sad when I went to the link, or the link stopped working because they had to take it down. But people have put you know, bootleg versions on YouTube. You're um, a General Electric guy. Yeah, I was. You were. God. Well, I'm sure now, I'm sure if I saw it, I'm sure I've seen the commercial. Proud of you, son. GE, manufacturer. Well, that's why I dug this out for you. It's your grandpappy's hammer, and he would have wanted you to have it. It meant a lot to him. Yes, GE makes powerful machines, but I'll be writing the code that will allow those machines to share information with each other. I'll be changing the way the world... You can't pick it up, can you? Go ahead. He can't lift the hammer. It's okay, though. You're going to change the world. We never got his day of the li- in the life. Yeah, what's your day in the life? Oh, it's chaos. I mean, <laughs> there's some days that it's nothing, and, like, these days all I do is just write stand-up comedy. Uh, I should write, like, another play. But so I have my sketch okay. team at the pit, Uncle Function, and so sometimes I'm working on sketches mm-hmm. or rehearsing there. Um, stand-up and storytelling, which I'm just writing every day. Um did you do UCB or did you do the I did UCB. I did UCB all the way through Improv 401 and Sketch to 201. And I've auditioned and got, I was the final callbacks for Maud. And, and you didn't get in? <sighs> no, I didn't. That's strange. Oh, I worked so hard for that. UCB's a little political. Like, as you said, yeah. you were there from, like, 18 on. Yeah. Or I just, like, story. you do, you, you, I don't participate. Like, I'm not going to go and hang out there. I'm not going to hang out anywhere. Yeah. Maybe if I was younger. But they're the place to be. I mean... They are. Now I'm doing more stand-up comedy. I think if I was, like... If my goal was to be on Saturday Night Live or, like, something equivalent, I'd be like, you got to go all in at UCB. Mm-hmm. All in. It just go is... every show, every night. Yeah. It just is the place. Yeah. And, you know, you get those... They have those industry nights for their, their spanks or their, you know, their recurring shows, and it's like... Yeah. You can't touch it. And I, I wish... Just for the sake of other places being around, I mean, it feels like in L.A., you know, at least you have groundlings and you have just so there's a healthy competition. But I remember when I did the General Electric commercials, they filmed in L.A. and it was me and like three other people my age and they were all talking during lunch. I was like, oh, you guys know each other? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're all UCB teachers. And I was like, all three of you are UCB teachers and you all just happen to book it? And it just seemed like... I mean, it see the way that it seemed. I never went, but like that, people are signing commercial agents signing people out of the UCB shows in LA. Yeah, you I know, it. I need to start going to more sh- more of their shows though, because I really do enjoy them. Like that would be a fun goal to go. Yeah, it's see. just there's so many people. There's just so many that you need competition, or else you're leaving it all in the hands of like one or two specific people who are running what the comedy world in New York and who succeeds. Yeah, yeah it's. It's crazy. What I also about the stand-up is, like, the world is less structured. There's just different clubs. And mm-hmm. the system is very unclear, which in some ways is frustrating. And in other ways, it's like, okay, I guess I can kind of make my own way of this. Mm-hmm. Mallory Bryant, mm-hmm. who does stand-up with us at Laughter Party, I mean, she was just saying, you end up... Because I've been, as I said, I was trying to, like, go from the storytelling, which I still have, but, like, to really punch it up and have these punchy... And it's, like, in New York, you have to do that because, A, I mean, New York clubs, everyone's like, oh, you're funny, yeah? Prove it. 
Right. Like that's the general audience. Yeah. And so you just have to have it like, and so nice, it's loud. But like I did, I did a gig. It was my first road gig in Chicopee, Massachusetts. And it was like 300 people. And it's just like one of these first times where it's like, I walk in and they're like, thank you for being here. That's the energy. Just like, thank you. Yeah. I can't wait to see how you're funny. Not, not prove are it. Are you funny? And it was just like. You know, I left there feeling like I'm am I the greatest comedian in the world? And then, but then you're like, yeah, oh, this is just a different yeah, environment. Experience because we did a year run of our two blondes show in New York, mm-hmm. just like pulling teeth almost to get people there and this and that. And then, Exhausting. and then we toured. And when we did it in Hawaii, it was like standing ovation after every like song. Like people thought we were the coolest thing ever. Uh, and in New York, you're like, and in London too. Even it was just we were we. Left. Jesus, London and Hawaii, good for you guys. Fun lives. We did a we did a nice. We tour. did Florida. We did a retirement home. But the thing the thing was, um, it was just so interesting being like, oh yeah, New York. Is a tough crowd. Yeah, like it is that oh, good yeah. we're starting here because man, they're nicer everywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It's good because you could. I mean, you could easily go from there to here and then be like, "What happened?" I thought I was so. Terrible. I thought it was the best. Yeah, it's, it's true. Crazy. We're in the right city. So, where do you see yourself in ten years? <sighs> oh boy, ten be years. Thirty-eight. Either on the street or. <laughs> It's very scary. I mean, you really don't know. Look, no I hope, idea. I hope, but it's scary. It's a scary, scary business. And like, as money has been dwindling from the commercials, and I've I've been doing producing stuff. <laughs> this is my favorite through line ever. Commercial <laughs> money. I really need to. It really. It was this. Honestly, when I booked that, I was I was re I was redoing my. I waited tables in high school. I did singing waitering, and luckily, oh, yeah, it's like a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, but Star luckily that place had. Yeah, it was called Mimi's. Yeah, and uh, luckily it had closed, so I got to say like it was more recent than it was. Um, but I was working on that resume, you know, creating something when I booked that commercial. So I've been living in this bubble, and the bubble has popped, and I'm slowly descending, oh. and I can see the bottom. Okay, I can see the ground. And uh, so it's just one of those moments where I'm like, God, I how how much can I tighten the belt? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a single guy, luckily. I mean, I think once you get ready for, like, you want to build a life, it's very different. Yeah. But I'm like, okay. Do you want kids? We'll have turkey for lunch. That's mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I think so. 38? I love 38? kids. But it right feels now, like a while away. I, okay. I wouldn't have a kid until I felt like I could definitely put a kid before my career. And, right. like, right now it's just the career is That's everything. Everything. Yeah. Feel like, it's only um, being I feel me. like once you have a kid, by life, all you know. Like, that's how, in my mind, I'm like, I want to be ready to be like, I can focus on you and not worry about. I'm like, I've done me, your turn. Have you ever had, I, I once had a, I think it was a guy, he came to me at a commercial audition with his baby. He said, can you hold him really quick while I go on this audition? This was my mother. My mother would leave us in yeah. the waiting room. That's the only thing that makes me not feel that way because your mom. Oh, like, she's a killer. But like up until five. Things. And then at five, she's like, I need to do recording studios and things that I can control more. Sure, sure. And so, yeah, made five CDs with when we were young. Yeah. But that's what you can do if it's flexible. But, but that's what you, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, can I reach a certain point where I do have that flexibility? Because I don't have that. And if you have your own career. Like, I just want the recording studio stuff right now, Agents <laughs> and Managers. Just, just the stuff, stuff, you know, where they bring a cab just to pick me up. Just the recording studio just, stuff. Just, just that stuff. Your, my favorite joke of yours last night, uh, I don't think we even mentioned this, that 
we um, did a stand-up we, show. We performed with you, and that's how we know you, and you're fantastic. Thank anyway, you. last night in the show, uh, my favorite joke you did was. Uh, I'm working on my subway yeah, speech. Yeah, on my subway I speech. I have every advantage. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's um, it's kind of where I am in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. It's going to be a rough subway speech. <laughs> um, so it's either that, in that 38 subway speeches, mm-hmm. or, I mean, right now at the stand-up, I would just love to be... In 10 years, I mean, I'd just love to be headlining at places regularly, either on a TV show I loved or just doing comedy, on even movies and stuff. And and then I don't know what I'd be writing, I, I whether it be like theater stuff or like, I don't know. Right now, my, my dream would be to be doing like stand-up comedy at night and some kind of meaningful, not not lame sitcom stuff. I mean, that's, that's what I think is kind of nerve-wracking. Not it's one of these conundrums. It's not like it's not like I have the auditions, but like with pilots, you go out on these pilots and you sign these six-year contracts, and like you know, you think about all the good TV, but then you think about all the bad TV, and it's ninety-five percent mm-hmm. TV is bad. You on there for six years, yeah, and money's great, of course, but like after a year, exactly. if you hate it, so my dream would be like the careers I look at. I mean, Louis is everyone's like, I would yeah. love that career. Um, what career? Louis, Louis C.K. Oh. Um, but I, I like Louis the, never mind. the Silicon Valley type. I mean, I think they have really cool yeah. careers. I think that's a, a good show that they get to be on and get to do good acting work on. And mm-hmm. then they get to do stand up at night. Yeah. But right now it's like, God, I just love stand up. So and that's all I'm hoping. Are- Hello. Oh, thank you very much. Guys, look out for him. Go see him at Caroline's September 27th at 7.30 p.m. You'll see us there. We will be there, not performing in the audience. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You guys will be there. We'll be there, Um, you know. (laughs) One day. Uh, But he is so fantastic. You you. are no doubt in my mind going to have that in less than 10 years. So putting it out there. Putting it out there. Believe in that. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. We'll be doing videos with you soon. We're Facebook friends now. I'm so excited. I only accept friends. Get ready to have a thousand like flyers for comedy shows in basements (laughs) in Brooklyn in your newsfeed. I'll go to every one. Oh my God. That's very flattering. Check them out. Thank you guys. Um, And he doesn't keep up too much with social media but your Instagram Handle is Atra Marco Cerezi. And it's spelled G G I A N M A R C O S O R E S I. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> how it sounds. And Facebook, he's very active. And yes, I do have a Twitter. I'm trying, people. working on it. If you don't accept his friend request, he will punch we'll no. you down. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you. Thank, thank you. Bye, guys. That's our show. Saying so long. Tune in next time on Behind Two Blondes. The Behind Two Blondes podcast is brought to you by FOU Studios and recorded at Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens. The show was created and written by Chase O'Donnell and Savannah Brown. This episode was produced and edited by Chase O'Donnell. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited LLC. I'm Brian Walters, the senior producer here, and on behalf of everybody who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. 
To learn more, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at foustudios.com. Boom!